Alright. Can I see by a show of hands who of you are still writing exams? Well done for being here tonight. Love the commitment. Who of you are done with exams? Yeah. <laughs> Blessing as well. He's done with exams. You've been done for a couple of years, bless. Yeah, we're all very, very happy if we're done with exams. Right, so this 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 evening, and uh, on an extended invitation to the morning service crowd, sorry, Pastor David said we're important in from the morning, but uh, this is our last evening service. It doesn't mean if you're in Cape Town, you shouldn't come to church now. Like, you can join the mornings. It's fun in the morning, so... Uh, there's the invitation. If you're going home, we hope your time would be blessed, blessed at home um, with your family and so on. Um, I want to share uh, what I believe is going to be a brief word. Um, I've learned to not say that because then it ends up not being a brief word, but, but I still hope it's a brief word because what I want to get to really is um, that conversation. I love, I just, I don't know if you caught that. It's amazing when when the Holy Spirit is moving, you know, the same, Jesus says, the same Spirit um, that rose from the, Jesus from the grave lives in us. So when he does something, he does it corporately, right? Because it's the same Holy Spirit. And so precious just seeing, just as I was worshiping, glimpsing around and seeing people really engaging um, and the Holy Spirit really calling. And then the, the prophetic words came and they just tell of the love of God and the calling of God, the calling us close, closer to him. So, I want to ask a strange question, or it's, uh, initially it might be strange, but who have you been up a physical mountain, and then up the mountain God speaks to you? you? Maybe you went up alone, and you spent time with God, and it was like something really happened. Okay, so a number of us. Okay, so um, you'll actually look at the Bible, and you'll see many times people go up the mountain, right? We have... We have Abraham, we have Moses, um, even Jesus went up the mountain several times. He went up a mountain you know, in the book, uh, early in the Gospels where he was taken into the wilderness. He was up a mountain. Then a little bit later on, we'll read it in a second in Luke chapter 6, he goes and prays up on the mountain. The whole night comes back and he chooses his disciples. Um, we can talk about that in a, we'll talk about that in a second. So... A lot of significant things happen on the mountain. In fact, one of the amazing things, and I'm going to pray after this. Bianca, remind me that I pray. Sometimes I get too excited, then you're like into the word, and then, you know, it's, you know, we need to invite God. But so Moses goes up, sorry, not Moses, Abram. It's one of those incredible, incredible stories, and God is just he's never confused. Um, he always does things with such attention to detail, so specific, um, things that's... Um, beyond our capacity as human beings, beyond our perception, beyond our understanding sometimes. Sometimes he comes back and he gives us understanding of what has happened. But, but Abram goes and he, God asks him this really ridiculous thing, um, but was such an act of faith that opened up the way um, for, you know, the people of God to be the children of Abram, who was the father of faith. Um, and then Jesus um, was... Um, the, the, the son of God, but it was that image that God set up. So God said to Abram, go up the mountain and sacrifice your son. We know the story. And that mountain um, is the exact location then where Jesus was crucified. 
you know, where God the Father had crucified, um, uh, um, you know, Jesus, right? And, and of course, we know in the story of Abram, you know, it was like, it was just a test. It was a test of faith for Abram. Abram, would you trust me that I would be the provider, your provider? And, you know, Abram was about to strike his son and then God stopped him, right? And then God revealed something of his character that wasn't known up till that point. Um, and God says, I am Jehovah Jireh. I'm the Lord, your provider. And he provided um, the animal that was to take the place of the son. But isn't that imagery so powerful? It was, was on that mountain, that same mountain, a, a couple of thousand years later, Jesus was then, um, you know, sacrificed. Isn't it incredible? The, the detail of God. And, uh, and I found in my life, my life that, you know, God does these things and then I get busy with the, the, the doings of life and then I forget, right? But God never forgets. God does something really significant to you up a mountain. And let me just, let me just say this before I uh, lose a lot of us that maybe don't like climbing mountains, for instance. Mount, coming, going up a mountain, it could be physically, but it, it just resembles that, that space with God when it's just you and Him, right? And it's a, it's a little bit more than that. It's a, it's a place that would have been really uncomfortable if God didn't pitch up. Does that, does that make sense? So it's that space. It doesn't need to be a physical mountain, but it's a place where you sort of committed yourself to just be you and God. And if, it, if God is not there, it's really awkward, right? But praise God, He's there, right? When we, when we draw near to God, the Bible says He responds. He draws near to us, right? He always responds. So that's what the mountain, so before you sort of, you know, limit God in terms of how He can get you, um, you know, or connect with Him, it's that sort of a space. So it might look different in different lives. I want you to sort of identify what are those places um, that God is calling you up onto the mountain, right? And, and that's what I believe God says. Um, he's saying tonight, he, he, wants, he wants to call us up with Him, up this mountain. And so I'm going to pray for us. And then I've written a little letter. I was inspired to write something. Um, that I believe God is saying to us tonight. So I'm going to pray for us. And I want us to um, just come back to the original in invitation. So the Holy Spirit has been given to us, and the Holy Spirit cries continuously for us to come closer. Did you know that? Right? The Holy Spirit is constantly, the moment you start worshiping, you'll begin to realize that the Holy Spirit is tugging your heart closer to Jesus. I think sometimes we... We, we fall into the trap of thinking that the gospel. Thanks, Johannes. Right, so, so what was I saying? Where was I? Sorry? Later. Okay, yes. So, so there's this, this continuous, constant invitation of the Spirit calling us closer to God, right? Um, and Jesus says, before He leaves this earth, He, he sits His disciples down and He says, um, take, take of my body continuously, right? Communion. And I think sometimes we think it's a, 
as something we do sometimes in church or sometimes at formal occasions we take communion. But actually communion was meant to be a continuous invitation into the, into the finished work of the cross. Right? In fact, if you look at the book of Acts, it says they went from house to house um, having communion together daily. Right? So communion is not something, it's a continuous invitation into the finished work of the cross. Right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us and, and just, just, um, just respond to that invitation as we just um, respond to the cross this, morning, this evening. Father, we, we thank you for your blood. We thank you, Lord, for your body that was broken for us. And Father, this, this evening we come into everything that Jesus has accomplished on the cross. Father, you gave it all. Jesus, you gave it all. Father, you gave your son. Jesus, you gave your life as an invitation for us to come to respond to your love. And so, Father, we pray that right now, God, you would move us. God, that not just our minds, but our hearts and our spirits would be moved by that work on the cross, God. Father, thank you that your gospel is the gospel not just for, the, for sinners, but the gospel is the gospel for, for saints as well. Thank you that your gospel moves us right now. And that, Jesus, you come and change us right now. Move our hearts again, God. Thank you that you forgive our sins, God. Thank you that you, you, you wash us clean as white as snow, God. You make us new. God, you forgive us. You reconcile us again to the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just want to repeat what I, what I was saying, but Sometimes we think the gospel is for sinners, but the gospel is for all of us, right? For sinners unto salvation, but for saints unto sanctification. So it's not we preach a gospel to uh, s- uh, sinners, people that are not saved, and another message to believers, right? It doesn't work like that. It's the same message, right? That same message of the cross is relevant. Whether you're saved or not saved, right? Uh, the gospel is not good advice. The gospel is good news. And it's, and it's good news in the present tense. It's not good news in the past. Yes, it was amazing. I got saved. But it's still good news, right? That is, that is the gospel. Let me read the letter that I believe is an invitation for you tonight. I believe on behalf of God these words. I invite you to be with me and to do great things for me. I am deeply devoted to you and the intention of the doing is primarily for greater knowing. This is an open invitation. You choose how much and how deep you want to go with me. The depth the depth determines the intensity of the adventure. I choose to do so for your safety, for you cannot handle what I want for you without me. Therefore, your lack of choice limits you. You will be tempted to come up with all kinds of legitimate excuses, though they, they, they are never legitimate standing next to me. 
I will teach, I will teach what it means to know me and therefore be open to the riches of richness of relationship. I will teach you. Will you come up with me? So now, of course, with any prophecy, it needs to be tested to the word. Um, it needs to be squared towards the word. So any prophetic word, if it's contradictory to the word, it's not of God, right? But the bottom line, I believe there's an invitation, and the decision is for us to respond. Here's a little picture um, on the screen there. It's a, it's a sermon series we did a while back, so don't ignore the words, although it's quite cool, I think so. But um, there's an iceberg, right? And so, so much of um, the Christian life, so much of the Christian walk cannot be brought over in a teaching, right? So much of, of living with Jesus, you, you cannot teach about it. You can teach a lot of principles, but, but it's almost like the, the iceberg, that's, that's the surface. That's, that's what we can see. Um, that's the visible, but then it's a little bit, it's a little bit, a little bit, um, you can't really see it, but if you, if you look closely, you'll see that the iceberg goes quite deep into the water, and, and that to me is such a beautiful picture of the Christian life. Um, on this surface, we could sort of look the same when we worship, but the depth of our relationship could be radically different. Right, and that's, you know, it's, it's, those, it's those moments with Jesus. Those moments with God when, it's, when there's no one else there, no one else looking, but you chose to go up the mountain with Him. Right? Those are the precious moments, and it's, it's, it's almost those are the life moments, and it's like that life you bring into church, and then it's a different equation. Does it make sense? Right? Jesus is inviting us to... To real relationship, not intellectual relationship, right? And so it's, it's sort of like the iceberg. There's, there's just so much more um, than what we see on the surface. There's so much more than just good teaching. You know, and there's a lot of good teaching, but it only becomes reality when you go out there and you live it with Jesus, right? Then it becomes depth. So Luke chapter 6. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued, to, continued in prayer to God. And when the day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Mark chapter 22, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. And then he invites guests. And so firstly, again, Jesus goes up the mountain. Jesus always sets the example for us. But it's amazing. The scripture says he went up the mountain and he prayed the whole night for the disciples that he would choose. I don't know about you, but to me it's quite weird that Jesus, when he goes down the mountain, sort of looks and seems like he at random chooses 12 guys who sort of picked that up. You know, you would think... Jesus would go up and he would pray and he would go and find guys like the best people in the world, right? You know, God, God would show him, you know, that he needs to go to Rome because those, there's like all the very educated people. They are the high up 
political people and the powerful people of the day um, or to other places in the world. But no, Jesus just walks down the mountain and he chooses 12 people. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that really interesting? Any case, so he goes and he picks 12 people, almost at random, but he had prayed for them the whole night. Okay? And then he picks them. But then in, in Mark chapter 22, we see this invitation again, an invitation that, um, that Jesus, in a parable, he says is extended to us. And uh, we, we know that um, parable, and we're going to come back to it in a second. But say this, is, say, say this is an invitation, right? Who's been to a wedding recently? A couple of people. Okay. Now, mostly, the, I know these days it works a bit different because invitations are electronic, you know, but you used to get like an invitation, like a physical invitation, and the invitation would have your name on it, right? And so when you get the invitation... That invitation is, is more than just a little piece of paper with a couple of words on them um, and more than just information on how to get there. This, this invitation resembles something of the, the invite, how do you say that, the people that invited you. Um, it says something about their hearts, right? When it's a wedding, um, it says that they chose to think of you right? And mostly when it comes to weddings, weddings are like really expensive. So mostly um, that invitation means that they chose you and chose, uh, chose not to invite some other people, right? And so this invitation tells you something of the heart of people, right? The people that invited you. And so um, when you get this invitation, um, you're sort of forced, if you've, if you've got a very busy schedule, you're sort of forced to look at this invitation and to think, um, you know, maybe you're free, you know, you've got lots of time, you know, you just say yes, you accept the invitation because it's a nice party to go to, but maybe you're not free, maybe you've got something on, maybe you're busy, maybe you could do a lot of stuff on that time that you were invited to, but you choose to consider the invitation and there's this sort of a question that you ask in your mind, is the relationship precious enough for me to cancel my plans to go to this wedding, right? And, and of course, most of us choose then to go because we value relationship, right? But this invitation represents something of the hearts of the people that invite you, right? And um, say, say, um, say, Nyasha, Where's Nyasha now? Ah, there's Nyasha. I thought I saw you. Say, say you get a letter, and this is this is the letter of um, the Cyril Ramaphosa. He's inviting you to his home, right? So he's inviting you, saying, you know, I've considered you. What is, what are you going to do, what, how are you going to feel if you get such an invitation? You're going to feel good. Why? Because of his position. Yes. Okay. And there's about 50 million 
South Africans, but he chose to invite you, right? Okay, so we're talking a little bit about an invitation. Now, we have that incredibly special invitation for one day, right? The wedding feast, the wedding supper of the Lamb, where the Master himself, Jesus, God the Father, is inviting us to a wedding feast. Isn't that incredible? So in the same way that Cyril Ramaphosa might invite you, he's in a, a king in a sense, a president, but now the king of kings is inviting us to this wedding feast. Isn't that amazing, right? And it, it, tells, you, it tells you a little bit about the heart. It tells you a lot about the heart of the king. And so this invitation for us in the, in the Christian life is, was written, the words of this invitation was written by the blood of Jesus' life, right? It was written with his blood as an invitation for us to come to that feast. And so, so we could respond to that invitation. But then there's the challenge of the reality of life. One of the parables that Jesus tells he says that the kingdom is like uh, a farmer who sows a lot of seed, right? So the seed goes, and, and on some, some ground, it's fruitful. On some of it, it falls on rocky soil. On some of it, you know, the birds of the air come. Uh, on some of it, there's um, the deceitfulness, the cares of this life, all right? So if God would, were to come back and save us in that moment where we receive salvation, it would be really simple and really clear because we had just experienced that salvation. But it doesn't necessarily happen that way. We have to go back and we have to live in this life. We have to live in a very fallen world with difficulties, challenges, struggles, a sinful world, right? And so it, it, it's a, bit, a little bit difficult. Now look at the rest of the parable. Matthew chapter 22, verse 3. And he sent his servants. So the invitation came, right, to the people. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted, fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants and mistreated and killed them. Right, so some verse 6, that last verse is a, is a very um, clear um, in, in, in that context, in that time, Jesus was talking about the prophets. He was talking to, about the prophets that God had sent into the world, uh, but they were mistreated by the people um, of, of the day um, and the religious leaders of the day. But I want you to note the, in, the excuses that peop, the people gave to the invitations. The first excuse was, um, I had prepared my dinner. Right? 
Um, and, and the other said, I went off to my field and another to his business. Okay, so now, is it wrong to have a business? Is it wrong to own a business? Of course it's not, right? And is it wrong to go off to your field or to have friends over? Of course it's not, right? But in this context, and you see that there's a, there's a severe judgment. We know the parable, we know the story. So the, the master comes back and he says, all these people rejected the invite. They chose to do other things. And then the master goes and he says, you know, go invite anyone, anyone that you find. Not just these, um, these specific people, these friends of mine, but, but now to everyone. And the bottom line is this. There were those that had the invite, but the priority in which they lived, their, their, their life priority was out of balance, out of order, right? And they, um, they missed the plot. Another parable, not a parable, another um, account we see is in Mark chapter 10. Again, a, a response to an invitation. So we, we've, all of us have heard of the rich young man. Um, he came to Jesus. He said to Jesus, what? What should I do? I've, since my youth, I've, I've done the law. I've practiced everything, and to the T, I've fulfilled the law, and I've done everything. And then Jesus responds to him, and you would think that the response is an abrupt response. You know, you would think a guy like this, you know, I certainly, when I read it, I think this guy has done really well. He's worked really hard. The, the things that was required of him, especially in his day, was really tough, and he did it. You would at least expect a pat on the back from Jesus, you know, saying to the guy, well done, you've, you've done the Ten Commandments. It's pretty hard to do. You know, you've done all these rigorous um, things that was required of you. But now Jesus says to him, okay, that's good, but now go sell everything you have. Pretty radical, isn't that? Imagine Jesus were to come to you and say, sell everything. See, the, the, the Christian faith is a radical faith um, by definition because Jesus was radical, right? He was incredibly radical the way that Jesus lived, the things that he did. Um, and, you know, we are little Jesuses. We are Christians, right? We are by definition, we are representing Jesus. So per definition, Christianity is radical, right? And I think there's this tendency of watering down Christianity. But it's, it's, it's radical. Um, but then Jesus, look, look at his response. I want you to see in Mark 10 verse 21. Looking at him, Jesus felt the love for him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But at, at these words, this rich young man was saddened, and he went away grieving, for, for he was one who owned much property. I love that phrase there. Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. He spoke the truth to him like real hard stuff, but it came from a place of love. Jesus had looked at that man, and he really, really loved him. And um, 
he expressed his love by saying to him what was most appropriate to him. So now, church history tells us that this rich young man um, in the New Testament or in the book of Acts is uh, Barnabas. Um, because church history tells us that he was a very wealthy guy and he was one of the guys that laid um, a lot of his um, possessions at the apostles' feet. Um, and that was Barnabas. All right? It's not, we don't have biblical evidence. Um, but church history tells us that that is the case, um, which is incredible to think that this guy, Jesus told him something that was so hard that he left the room. Like it's literally like someone walks, stands up here and says, this is too hard. I can't do it. Leaves this room and only comes back a couple of years later and now says, okay, now I'm ready to do this. Isn't that amazing? Right, but Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Jesus was never interested in a crowd. He could have had a crowd. He had a crowd. He had lots of crowds. But he wasn't interested in having massive crowds or massive numbers. He was interested in that personal invitation. He was interested in the response and the relationship from the response. Because that's what he loves. He's, 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 he's knowing us getting to know us more. And I love that analogy. Of, we've spoken about this previously and often come back to this, but it's like a divine dance. God invites us to a dance. That's relationship with Him. He gives us something, and if we don't see it, it's subtle, subtle hints. It's almost subtle hints. God comes and He, he speaks to you, but it's sort, of, it's sort of you can miss it, right? You've sort of, you've, you heard something and then you, you got busy and you forgot about it, right? It's really subtle sometimes, but if you respond, God comes back and he responds, right? And then the more you go, it's like, it's like a dance. It's like you gain momentum and you sort of get into it. I don't know if two of you do dancing, like soki dancing. You know, at the beginning, it's a bit awkward, but as soon as you get into it, you know, there's a momentum, there's a flow, there's a rhythm that, that you get, get into. And I believe that's, that's sometimes our relationship with Jesus. He invites us and he, and he only, he works by invitation. Jesus will never force himself on you. It's always come, come. He's ready. He's waiting for us to come to him. So the excuses are legitimate, Right? It's the, I'm busy with my business. I'm busy with my studies. I'm busy with um, these really important things that my family are expecting me to do. I'm busy with my social life. I'm busy with, you can imagine what. I'm, I'm busy exercising. I'm busy training, right? All legitimate stuff, right? But it's still an excuse, right? And so, so the trust is to, to again come back to the fact that maybe God wants you to do those things. But He first wants you to put it aside, to focus on Him, and He will send you back into whatever it is. Because He wants you to, to be fulfilled in that. So, the first is the invitation. Secondly, we need to overcome the temptation of 
again, legitimate excuses. And then thirdly, God invites us to understand what relationship means. It's called it Relationship 101. See, God invites us to a journey with Him. So I said at the start, I believe God invites, is inviting us to mountaintop, a mountaintop experience. But God doesn't just invite us to mountaintops, He invites us to be in the valleys as well. Someone used this analogy once, really stuck with me. But we go with Jesus through, through times of, of valleys, right, but also mountaintops. And then we're going down the valleys and then mountaintops. Now, if your expectation is just mountaintops, when you're going through a valley, you're going to be disappointed, right? But if your understanding is, listen, we're going to go up and down the valleys and the mountains. And all of it is good because it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. It's not about the fact that I'm up there now, up in the sky, or down in the valley, stuff down there. Um, it's, it's, it's challenging, it's, you know, it's about the fact that I'm walking it out with Jesus. That is, that is what it's about. So how do, you, how do you grow in relationship with Jesus? I believe that's, that's the essence, that's what it's about. We all obviously all know um, that relationship is, is, the, is the, the key, but I believe, I believe that's what Jesus is teaching us continuously. The more you walk with Jesus, the better you will be with relationship, whether it's, you know, relationship with him or with people, because that's what he teaches us. Um, if you look at the disciples for three years, basically what Jesus taught the disciples was not a lot of information, not a lot of instruction, but how to relate. That's, that's the bottom line, to relate with Jesus and with God and to relate with one another. Oftentimes, Jesus would say to them, Listen, look at me and you'll see the Father. What is he doing? He's teaching them relationship. Then he would sit them down and he would say, when you pray, pray like this. What is he doing? He's teaching them relationship. And, you know, ultimately, he gets them together in the upper room, first appears to them, restores them, and then he binds them together, right? Again, he teaches them relationship. But it's important, again, that we understand the flow um, in which God goes so that we understand that, you know, one of the challenges of the Christian walk is to deal with disappointment. You were expecting a mountaintop, but now it's a valley. But, but both are blessed, right? When you're going to be through this situation, whatever one it is, when you look back, you're going to say, that was amazing. Whether it was a highlight or a low light, but if you were with, with Jesus, it changes everything. It makes low lights into highlights. Who, who understands what I'm talking about? If you've walked with Jesus, you'll know sometimes the most precious times are the low lights. Because you were down in the dumps, but you were there with Jesus. And then he spoke to you clearly. Right? That is, that is the Jesus we serve. So, just a couple of... Um, um, Hints, tips um, on how to walk in greater relationship with Jesus. Firstly, respond to the invitations, right? 
respond to the invitations. Again, it's just little invitations, little hints, right? Just this weekend, we were away on a camp, and um, I was, uh, we were running, a couple of us ran uh, the morning, and sort of late the afternoon, and now it's, um, we were in Montague, and it was really, really hot, and I feel the Holy Spirit say to me, okay, now run again. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's, that, that really doesn't make sense. I ran, we ran this morning, seriously hot. Uh, the flesh is, is not into this, right? And now we, 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 have, we, we socially engaged, and it's so easy just to say, well, let's just hang around and chill with the people. But I just knew this was an invitation. And I could either go or I could miss it. And I was like, I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss a moment with Jesus. And so I responded, and again, you know, it's always those invitations. You always, you're never sorry, you know. The flesh is always resistant, but afterwards, you're never sorry that you responded to that invitation. I can tell you um, many stories of just how I responded. I'm sure I've missed many moments, um, but I can remember a couple of times, very specifically, um, I remember a specific time uh, 13 years ago, I went actually up a physical mountain this time, and God spoke to me about something that is coming to pass now, right? Something that is, you know, it's, it's like detail, detail to the end. It's amazing when you see the detail in which God works. It's, it's really incredible, and I forgot about what he said back then, but luckily you must write down, you know, always write down what God says because we forget. Um, several years ago, um, I, I was working, I, was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I did an internship at the church, and I, was, um, I, was, um, I studied engineering, and I was about to go into the engineering industry, and I said to God, God, um, you know, I want to, I asked God for, for a job, and I said, God, um, I, would, I would really like to go to Stellenbosch, and find a work, which is like really unrealistic because it's a, like a tiny town, not a lot of engineers in Stellenbosch. Um, but I'd be willing to go anywhere. You know, I'd, I'd be willing to go to London, overseas, even Johannesburg. But Lord, please don't send me to Cape Town. And especially not the southern suburbs. And so, so I found, I got a job soon after that in Stellenbosch. And um, started working, worked there for a month. After a month, my boss comes to me and says, we're relocating to Cape Town and the southern suburbs. <laughs> so that was a real God set up. And um, I was driving to work. So for two years, I was living in Stellenbosch and working in Cape Town. So I would face the traffic in and out. And um, this one day, this one morning, I drive past UCT, and I just feel God say, pray for this place, but it was, it was one of those moments, right, it wasn't like a, a little hint, I, I could have ignored it, that's the thing with God, sometimes, I don't know if you relate to this, but he speaks really strong, but you can still ignore it, right, but it was one of those moments he really spoke strongly to me, he said, pray for this, this campus, and I prayed, started praying, and, and it ended up the evening when I drove back, I prayed again, and soon after that, it became a daily thing that I would pray for this place. And so two years later, um, the leaders came to me and said they want to start something on the campus of UCT. 
And so it was almost like I didn't have to pray about it because I had been praying for two years. God had set me up and and prepared me um, for what had happened. And and so I can tell you story after story how God would walk ahead, right? Where God would way ahead start something. And and if, 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 if we just respond, we see the trajectory much later. It's, it's again like Abram. Abram had no clue that by taking his son up the mountain, he would open up the way for the Messiah by faith to be crucified on that mountain, the salvation of the whole world. Isn't that amazing? Imagine, imagine Abram ignored that little hunch to go up the mountain. Now, God, of course, his plan of salvation is amazing. So if Abram had disobeyed, God would have had someone else, right? Um, you know, I love what Rainer Bunker said. He says, you know, he's like reached millions of people with the gospel. But he said he was the third, he was God's third choice. One day God came to him and he said, Rainer Bunker, you are the third choice. Two people before you said no to the call to preach the gospel, you know. And, and, and so we have the choice to respond. And I believe in the next while, God wants to wants you to respond. And maybe as we're going to pray now, this is going to be a moment for you. Or maybe God is just going to invite you to something. Or maybe he just wants a little commitment from you. So those, those steps. Firstly, respond to any invitation that you get from God. Secondly, um, respond to those little hints, the divine dance. Thirdly, um, Make sure that you make disciplined investments by reading the word, um, by worshiping, and by witnessing. Um, it's so important that the word is in us. The more that God's word is in you, the more clearly you will get those little invitations, right? Because Jesus says the Holy Spirit will remind you of the things that Jesus said. So it's important that you internalize the word of God. Um, and purity, it's so important that we live pure lives. Scripture says, Jesus says, the pure shall see God, right? And sometimes it's not just the living pure, sometimes it's the response to when we've done something impure, right? Sometimes the way we respond, if we've messed up, done something wrong, we've sinned, how do we now respond? Do we respond with repentance? running to God, confessing our sins to one another, or do we do the cover-up, right? Once you're in the cover-up scenario, you're just really making it difficult for you to get those invitations from God. You can, you can, of course, but the Bible says, live as children of the light, right? Confess your sins to one another. So those are just a little, little, a couple of comments, but I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to hear the invitation. I'm going to read the words again. And like I said earlier, I was just inspired to write this. Um, Really open to, I didn't check the theology of this. But I want you just to hear the, the, what the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is saying to you right now. The invitation that He is extending to you. And and I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit would, would clarify to you. It would speak to you in your language, how you understand it. We've got relationship with all of us 
And he's going to maybe take you back to some things that he said. For some of us, maybe, I believe there's someone here. God has is, 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 actually been pointing to something, and you're really just so scared to talk to someone about it. But I believe God's going to give you a courage and a grace to, to deal with that, to face that, and to come out with whatever he's pressing in your heart. Um, to some of us, he's going to remind us of things that he's been saying over and over. For someone here, he's, God's going to take you back to a moment of grief. I just sense grief. It was really difficult, really, it was a really tough, tough time for you. Um, and I believe God wants to come into that moment because actually something was lost there. Something of a purity and innocence in relating to God was lost there. God says, I want to come back to that and I want to redeem that moment because, because in that moment it was really difficult and God sees he's, he's got so much compassion, but the enemy came in and he lied. He lied to you. And he lied concerning God's character and God wants to come in and heal you and restore. For some of us, God is just going to invite you to times with him. Even making commitments to him. So let me read it for us. I invite you to be with me. And then to do great things for me. I am deeply devoted to you. And the intention of the doing is primarily for greater knowing. This is an open invitation. You choose how much and how deep. You want to go with me. The depth determines the intensity of the adventure. I choose to do so for your safety. You cannot handle what I want for you without me. Therefore, the lack of your choice and decision making limits you. You will be tempted to come up with all kinds of legitimate excuses. Though they are never legitimate standing next to me i will teach you what it means to know me and therefore be open to the richness of relationship with me i will teach you will you come up with me thank you holy spirit that right now you you show us lord reveal to us your son Jesus. You revealed to us the heart of the Father. Even as you said, Father, through the prophetic words earlier, through the words of prophecy, God, you you love us so dearly. You love us so intensely. And thank you for your pursuit of our hearts, God. Thank you, Father, you've not called us to be slaves, but you've called us to be sons. Sons with an inheritance. Sons with an inheritance. God, and our inheritance is you. There's so much more, but Lord, in essence, the bottom line, our inheritance is you. Your presence is our great reward. Your presence is all of it, God. The other things, God, that's added stuff. That's bonuses, Lord. The dreams the visions, all of that is, that is 
bonus, but you are our exceedingly great reward. Father, you are the goal. And Father, thank you that as you take us through the mountaintops and the valleys, God, we, we take hands with you, Jesus, and we walk with you. In Jesus' name. Can we have Jeff Coupin quickly come out, coming up? I'm going to pray for you, those specific two people, if you can just keep your eyes closed and just keep on engaging with God and the Holy Spirit. But I want to specifically pray for you if you feel that there's something, those two people that I shared earlier, there's something in the dark, something that's really difficult. You really just need that courage. Won't you just, while every eye is closed, won't you just indicate to God you say, God, I receive the strength now to, to go there. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? Okay. And then the other person. You just, you just um, had this really traumatic experience. And it's left you with a lot of questions, and it makes just relating to God so difficult. I want to pray for that healing and the kickstart of that process. Where, where are you? If you can just show me. Okay. Hallelujah. My Father, thank you for your son and your daughter. Thank you, Jesus, that you do a perfect work. And thank you, Jesus, that you give the strength to go to places that are difficult to go, Lord. To go into situations that were tough, Lord. You give them the strength to face difficulties, God, to, to endure. But God, we pray that you would come right now and you would disarm the lies of the enemy. God, that you would expose them for what they are, lies. And that God, in, in, instead, God, you would give your son and daughter, Lord, that truth. Give them that truth, God. And I thank you, that Holy Spirit, that you come right now. And you bring them light. And you make them light, Lord. As you just comfort them, as you help them, as Holy Spirit, you come in. And you deliver. Thank you, Lord, for your freedom that is in this place, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your invitations up to the mountain. We bless you, Lord. Let's just take up this time, band, if you can lead us in just a song. But feel free, if you want to just sit down and maybe write down or maybe just reference back a scripture.